This podcast is a Tucker Media production. For more information, head to tuckermedia.com.au. Welcome to For the Shire by the Shire. Each week, we speak to property and finance professionals working in and around the Sutherland Shire. Discover insider tips and tricks from the Shire's leading experts on how to get ahead in today's market. Introducing your host, Nathan Smith, the Director and Senior Mortgage Broker at the award-winning Birdie Wealth. Welcome to another episode of For the Shire, By the Shire. My name's Nathan and today I'm joined by Catherine Fantoff, who is the founder of Innovative Property Advocates. They specialise in seller's advocacy, which we're going to uh, delve into a little bit deeper and explain what that means. She has 28 years experience in property and her business was established in 2013. She's servicing clients all across Sydney and throughout Greater Illawarra. Uh, Catherine, welcome to the show. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks for coming along. Um, seller's advocacy, this is a really cool term and we hear about buyer's advocacy. So can you explain first of all, what is seller's advocacy? So seller's advocacy, I guess it is a little bit like a buyer's advocate, but it's for a seller. So basically we focus on helping clients to achieve top price for their home um, in the shortest possible time frame. Um, and there's a few ways that we do this. We help them with the preparing of the property for sale. And once we've completed that, then we look at interviewing three local real estate agents and help them choose the right real estate agent. And then we basically deal with the real estate agent throughout the whole process. So we focus on keeping the agent honest and the whole process transparent um, and the agent focused on achieving the best price for the property. Excellent. So you're there to help hold their hand from their initial thought of selling the property all the way through to when that settles. Is that right? That's correct. The good part about it is actually that it doesn't cost the seller any extra to engage us because we're actually paid a percentage of the agent's commission on settlement. Fantastic. Yeah. Let's go all the way back 28 years ago. So how did you get into property? So when I was growing up, uh, my my dad, he was a full-time pharmacist, um, but he built a house for us. Um, and then he also built a few blocks of units and he was always into property. So when I left school, um, my very first job was actually for a firm of solicitors as a conveyancing secretary. And that furthered my interest in property. From there, I thought, well, why not actually get into real estate? And I started at um, a real estate office in Bondi Beach in Hall Street back in 1991 um, as a sales secretary. And from there, I got my real estate license and I went through the ranks up to property manager, property um, into property sales and then sales manager. Um, that's basically how I got into real estate. So you were in the sales side of things first, which there was probably no such thing as a seller's advocate back in the early 90s, was there? No, not at all. So uh, you, were, you were selling property at that stage, um, getting an understanding of how property works. And at what point did you, did you look at this, this seller's advocacy as a role? Seller's advocacy only really came to me probably uh, seven or eight years ago. And um, it was when I actually was going to return to the industry after starting a family. And um, when I returned to the industry, I, I could see that not much had changed a lot. In fact, in some ways it had gotten worse. 
some of the things that I saw didn't really uh, impress me very much and I could see that sellers really needed to have their interests protected because when I, when I was in sales at Bondi Beach, things like dummy bidding, um, underquoting was everywhere. Um, it, was, it was an industry that was pretty low down on the, the spectrum of trusted jobs. Absolutely, yeah. And um, now a few, the legislation has come in that they, they get around this, but, uh, but there are a few things that still, I think, need to be um, improved. And that's what that's what prompted me to start this this type of a business. And when I was doing my research on this type of topic, I saw that in Melbourne there's a lot of vendors advocates down there. It's very popular, but in Sydney not so much. More the buyers advocacy, um, and there's a few buyers advocates that do offer sellers advocacy as well. But for us, this is our primary focus. And people don't sell properties too often. I mean, how often do we actually transact on properties? It would be. A handful of times in our life and and when you step into that world the terminology and and the way in which it happens can be really intimidating so is that what you're there to do is almost translate what's happening and and explain that process to them yeah exactly we find that the type of people that we work with are typically people who don't have a lot of experience in in the industry they would only sell, as you say, a property maybe once every seven to ten years. Elderly people that are downsizing as well, um, people who have, have a mistrust of agents. So basically we're there to to make the whole process more transparent and to make sure that they're only getting the facts. That's a bit of the, an issue in the industry these days is that um, real estate agents, you know, although we do need them because we work, we work together with them to get the best result, but unfortunately, to get the business, sometimes they have to overinflate the vendor's expectation. And that's just the nature of, of the business. Because if you go into a, a property and see a seller that's selling and you say, look, I think you can get X for your property, but actually that's a lot less than the other agents have quoted, then you're not going to get the business. So it's a bit of a catch-22 for agents. So basically, we come in there to make that whole process um, far more transparent and honest and above board. I guess you don't have that agenda because you're working with them and, and hoping to get that outcome for yeah. them. Yeah, it's a really hard one setting that price, isn't it? Because, and you know, a lot of agents I speak with have great intentions, but it's just it can be difficult sometimes to pick price or work out how to get that business across the line. I remember when I went into sales after being a property manager way back in the 90s, I, it took me two years of my boss saying to me, I really want you to go into sales. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to, I don't want to become like every other sales agent, especially in the eastern suburbs. And eventually I said, look, I will, I'll give it a go, but I want to be an honest real estate agent. So I tried that for a while. And at first it was a bit tough because, yeah, telling a client that they're going to get the real, a realistic price versus an overinflated price. Unfortunately, sellers don't, they look at, the highest price and that's the agent that they go with so ultimately you become you have to become the same as all the others so that's kind of where I, I ended up and and I did really well for a while but un, unfortunately my conscience got the better of me after a few years and um and I decided look I, I I don't like to overinflate people's expectations and I left residential property and I actually went into commercial property where it's all you know, facts and figures, numbers, um, there's no emotion. So, yeah. That different was a, world there, good, yeah. Different change, yeah. So a client reaches out to you and says they, they need a, a seller's advocate to assist them with a, 
a sale of a home, where do you start? Uh, we start right from the very start insofar as we go through the property. We will give them advice on what they could do to the property to maximise the value. Um, that could be by way of repairs and maintenance. It could be property styling. Um, it could be actually adding extra bedrooms. Um, we had a case uh, a few years ago where a client came to us and said, look, we really want to spend some money on the property, but the agents that we've spoken to so far have basically said, don't do anything, just put it on the market as soon as possible. And that seems to be a typical response from real estate agents. So we went in there and we saw that there was a potential to actually add, rework a floor plan, an upstairs floor plan, and actually add an extra bedroom. So what that actually did for the price was it increased it by another, by about 140000 So they had, um, they spent $11,000 and they got an extra 140000 just for doing that. It's just a matter of knowing what to do and where to, to do it and, and make sure you don't overcapitalise. So that's that's where we start. And then once the property is looking its best, then we will interview the three local real estate agents and give our advice on which one is best to go with and why. Um, and then we deal with the real estate agent once we've appointed them throughout the whole process. So the, the seller doesn't actually have to deal with the agent if they don't want to. Um, most of our clients, the only time they get to meet the agent is during the reserve setting meeting for the auction um, and they, they prefer it that way because it just it just keeps everything a lot more um, streamlined and a lot more um, easy to manage. So let's talk about preparing a property for sale um, and let's assume it's a house. Is it houses you're dealing with mainly? Is it units? Uh, we deal with both but mostly okay. houses. So let's talk about houses then and start outside of the property. What are some common tips that you're giving to people prior to selling their home? I guess um, so the curb appeal of a property is very important. Showing that the property is well looked after by having nicely manicured lawns, gardens, um, mulching the gardens, pulling out any dead dead plants or dead palm fronds or things that might be lying around, making sure that the letterbox is looks good, it's not broken and hanging the door hanging off any painting that needs to be done, windows are cleaned, and the front door area looks inviting. Okay, excellent. They're, they're great. So just making it look homely, appealing, clean and neat, we're looking for outside. What about when we head inside the home? So uh, typical advice that you're giving to people regularly. The two biggest things that we get our clients to do if, if they want to do anything is painting and flooring. They're where you're going, going to get the biggest bang for your buck. Painting, flooring, obviously nice and clean and tidy, um, declutter. Um, if you've got big pieces of furniture, we recommend taking some of those out and putting them in storage or putting them in the garage just to make it easier for people to walk around the property. Uh, we always tell our clients the more floor space you can actually see and bench space, the better. So in kitchens, that means taking off a lot of the, you know, the toasters, the jugs, all that type of thing, just leaving the basics there that's going to look nice. It doesn't necessarily mean it's um, very usable the way it is, but you just hide it all and then bring it back out when, when it's open house is over. Clean windows, lighting. We're presenting it as a, a showroom really, isn't it? It's not necessarily a, a livable or workable home that you might be living in Monday to Friday. It's prepping it for a, a presentation really, is it right? Yeah. It's a bit unrealistic to think people live like that, but that's why we... A lot of the times we have clients that actually can move out of the property for their open homes. 
uh, for a period of time and usually it's only just a few weeks. And when we have the property styled, it just makes it a lot easier that they don't have to keep, you know, cleaning and tidying up, especially when you've got family and things like that can be difficult. But if in the market the way that it is at the moment, um, most properties are actually selling within a few weeks, two to three weeks. I'm shortening all my auction campaigns to three weeks from four because I think four weeks is just way too long and I think that you, you would get your buyer through the property within the first two weeks anyway. So keeping that pressure on, on the buyers to basically make a, a decision and have a result by the third week is the way to go. You've got people coming to you who, again, haven't, aren't doing this too often. What do you think is the most confusing part of selling your home? I think there's probably the two things actually is 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 what to do to the property. If if they feel like they want to do something, they've got some money that they want to spend, what should they do? Where should they spend it? That's the first thing. And then the second thing is is the agent. I know a lot of people know an agent or a friend knows an agent or they've been recommended this agent. And sometimes that can work out well, but sometimes it doesn't as well because just because an agent your friend or a family member has had a good experience with a real estate agent doesn't mean that you're going to have the same success. So it's a tip that I always give is that make sure that you interview at least three real estate agents, even if you've been recommended one, uh, because you just don't know who else is out there and someone else might actually be better suited. Let's talk now about that interview process for you and when you're interviewing agents. How are you selecting an agent so we go through a pretty strict interview process. Um, we show the, the agent through the property, similarly to a seller would. Um, the agent will sit down with us and they'll have usually their marketing um, listing kit with them, which will outline how they propose to market the property, what the cost will be, that type of thing. Um, a list of comparable sales, just to give an idea of the estimate that they're going to put on the property. Good agents will actually bring along a list of what's on the market that's comparable just to give you an idea of because it's all about supply and demand, the price that you can get for the property. So if there's not a lot of supply um, but there's high demand and your property is coming on, then you should be able to get a pretty good price. So apart from all of those surface um, type of questions, we actually delve a lot deeper into how they actually run their open homes. So who's going to be at the property, who's going to be making the follow-up calls, how do they address the question of price when buyers are asking them. This is mostly to do with auction campaigns where you really you shouldn't be disclosing a price. Um, a price range is, is good to give. Buyers will want it and they'll get upset with the agent if the, the agent won't give them any feedback. So the agent needs to be very careful as to what sort of price range that they they put forward because if they put forward a price range that's too low, then we're not going to get to the level that we want to get to. And if it's too high, then they're basically destroying the whole campaign. So these are all questions that we ask them, how they, how they do that, what they would be quoting for this particular property, getting really right down into those hard questions. I've heard you mention auction a few times. Auction versus private treaty, is, is auction where, where you see the, the best value for someone selling their home and why? In the Shire, um, I would say yes, um, and it does really relate to the type of property as well. So if it's if it's a unit, that's pretty standard. However, 
in saying that, um, I have a property at the moment that is just a one-bedroom unit in Cronulla, but we're going to auction that. And the reason for that is because at the moment the first-home buyer market is extremely strong and there are properties that get like 40 people coming through on the first open house. And the other day I was at an open house um, to look at a property similar to this one and I was lined up out the door waiting to get in. So that would tell me that that market is very strong and that the best way to get the best, the top price is through an auction. If it was in one of the bigger blocks, which the newer ones, which are just stock standard, then definitely you don't need to do the auction process. But it's a good way of getting the buyers uh, ready in a short period of time, ready to basically um, put their best foot forward. And um, and if it's a if it's a house that has you know, a view or something that's different about it, unique about it, then an auction is definitely the better way to go because getting people emotionally attached to the property is the way that at the auction we can push them up in their price. Everyone has an opinion on property, whether they're in the, the property game or whether they're just at a Saturday barbecue. Is there any bad advice that you hear floating around that you consistently hear and you think, look, that is just not right? I guess it's the media, to be honest, and I know that I think a couple of your other guests have said a similar thing that does really frustrate us is that the figures that they put out are just, they can't blanket the whole of Sydney. Um, each pocket, each suburb is has a different supply and demand uh, ratio. They're moving in different directions. Some markets are actually going up in price. Some, pla- some places are stagnating. Some are actually going down. So when they're kind of saying, you know, the, the property market's going to in- decrease by X amount and people are freaking out about it, it's it's really unrealistic. Unless you're actually on the ground and you're looking at property day in, day out, do you actually really understand what's happening in the market? And from what I'm seeing, I don't see any decline at the moment. Uh, however, First quarter next year, I think, may be the time when things are going to start to go down, but time will tell. It will, yeah. It's a tough one trying to pick the market, isn't it? It's mm. just it's, it's near impossible to do when you write. You get these big sweeping statements about what's happening with the market and there's thousands of micro-markets within that and, and what is each individual one doing. I mean, I'm sure there's there's probably suburbs within the Sutherland Shire where one the north part of the, the suburb is performing completely differently to the south part of the suburb. So you can break it down as much as that, let alone looking at it from a, an Australia-wide point of view. Definitely. Looking back over the, the properties that you've sold um, with your business, is there any particular one that stands out for you? Is there a memorable one? Yeah, apart from the one that I just mentioned previously, there was another one where um, a couple were separating and they approached me after they'd spoken to a few agents. They had some agents through the house and, again, they'd said to them, Look, what should we do? Should we paint the front of the house? Should we do anything? Because it was a little red brick, single story. And the agent said, oh, yeah, I think you should actually just paint over the brickwork, you know, white. No rendering, just paint straight onto the brickwork. So they came to me. They were a bit confused and I said, look, definitely don't waste your $20,000 on doing that. In fact, do nothing because when you look around the next door on both sides they'd gone up the houses were modern they were reasonably new I said whoever buys this property is going to come in they're going to rip the roof off and they're going to add a second story you've got views of the George's River um it's you know it'll be amazing so just just do nothing and 
they followed that advice and in the end they got $150,000 above the reserve. So that was because there was a number of people who wanted to get into that area um, and this was an entry point for them. So they were fighting over it. It was a very interesting auction, that one. Yes, I'm sure there's, I love those ones, whether it's really engaged and a number of bidders, it's definitely more exciting. Sometimes I actually think that the bidders know that know each other because these two actually seem to have, I don't know, some kind of vendetta against each other. So it's kind of like... <laughs> it's almost a rivalry, was it? It was. The egos were yep. definitely... I wonder what that is. I wonder if it was just one of those things where, I know when I've bought property before and once you've got that price range and area you're looking, you go around to the properties for a month and you see the same faces at every at every um, property and at every auction. So maybe they've just had a few other run-ins at a few auctions leading up to this one and, and both had had enough and wanted to finish up. Could, could be. Let's give you control of the property industry for the day. So you've got the keys, you can change any rule you want. What's something that you would change within your industry? I think the training and the licensing process I think should be a lot more strict and a lot more, it should take them longer to get a license or a certificate. When I did my real estate license um, back in the early 90s, it took me three years part-time. That's two nights a week. And of course, it was face-to-face um, back then. We didn't have any of this online training. But now these days, you can get you know a certificate and a license in like three months. Or I just, I just question how that's going to create agents that are ethical, um, that understand the process and um, just to bring some you know, higher standards to the industry. It's just I think that's an area that needs to be changed. So lifting that education bar, making the program longer with traineeships would, yeah. would help the quality of that, that end agent if they've um, had to work for it. Look, yeah, look, we, we say pretty similar things about the broking industry too. We would love the same thing is, is lift those standards and um, make it more difficult to become a broker. So, yeah, completely agree with that one. What's next for you? Um, well, I would really like to just increase the awareness of seller's advocacy. Um, it is still a relatively unknown service but something that has huge benefit to um, for people selling and it's uh, it's an industry that um, I think is definitely going to improve and take off, just like buyer's agency was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. I think seller's advocacy is going to become something that is very well known, especially the fact that it doesn't cost a seller anything to engage a seller's advocate. It's, it's kind of like, why wouldn't you try to have someone? Um, but you'd have to be very particular about the seller's advocate. Uh, From my point of view, I mean, I've got 28 years of experience and the reason that I became a seller's advocate um, is that I wanted to share and uh, the experience and the knowledge that I have learned over that amount of time just to help improve the, the standards of the industry, even if it's in a small way, but just to improve the overall client experience. Uh, Catherine, thanks so much for coming in today, getting a better understanding of seller's advocacy, how that whole role works. And um, if, if you're anyone out there looking to sell a property, particularly if the just the thought of selling a property is intimidating and scary for you, uh, Catherine's here to walk you and hold your hand all the way through that process. Catherine, thanks so much for sharing your advice today. Where can people find you? Uh, they can go to uh, Innovative Property dot com dot au and they could reach out by phone my number zero four double one 
5223233. Excellent. We'll have all those details in the show notes. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Nathan. This podcast is for general information only. It contains brief comments not intended to be the basis for decision-making nor to be taken as a substitute for specific advice. Please contact Birdie Wealth to discuss any matters that may be relevant to your individual situation. For more information, go to www.birdiewealth.com.au.